If she said everybody dies but us, everybody dies but us, we gonna carry on and plan the sequel. Cause let's face it, baby, these days, you gotta have a sequel. Ah! Ah! He's sick for fucks. You've seen one too many movies. Nah, Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. <laughs> Stop it, Billy, would you, all right? I can't take anymore. I'm feeling a woozy here. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. My name is Ross Bacon. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as everybody knows, we are a podcast that cracks open a beer and we talk about some movies. Now, tonight, our horror month ends with the legendary master of horror, Wes Craven. And we will be talking about Last House on the Left, Vampire in Brooklyn, and Scream, because we're doing first shitty and, well, let's say most influential, because, you know, there's going to be an argument whether or not Nightmare on Elm Street is his best. But, uh... I, I mean, I think scream is i enjoy watching scream more than i enjoy watching nightmare yeah yeah it is it's it's much more of an enjoyable experience and um so we're gonna get into that but before we do all that why don't we get into what we're drinking so mike what do you have over there so a little disappointed this week because i couldn't get to uh at Ship bottom released their special halloween ecto ghouler and i tried to go get in line to get a to get some of that but unfortunately i live about an hour away didn't get out of the house till noon and uh you had to get there like an hour before they open to uh even come close to getting the beer must i i'm sure it's really good and i wish i could review it right now but i did have a good backup we went with wet ticket brewing in Rahway, new jersey and they have uh scarecrow juice pumpkin ale and it's a really halloween looking like you have a scarecrow with a jack-o'-lantern, a little fire in his eyes, a couple crows on him, full moon. Uh, it's a cool-looking can. It tastes really good. Uh, a little different from the other pumpkin beers I've had this month, but it's like it's definitely seems lighter, uh, like easier to drink. Yeah. Uh, 6.3% alcohol. And, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it so far. Nice. Yeah, I also went to... Uh attempt to get the ecto ghouler but i went to linville orchards in pa and rather than make the hour and a half drive to lbi from where i am in morristown and my wife and i got there we waited in line we got about 15 people away and then they ran out <laughs> so we don't we do not have a neon green ipa to uh review which is most of the reason why i wanted to get it just because i've never had a neon green beer before <laughs> yeah and plus i love ghostbusters and the theming around it is yes everybody at the because they had this like van set up this old like bw bus set up there and they had speakers playing at Lynn villa and it was playing the ghostbusters theme <laughs> on a loop so oh i can only imagine working for ship out of having to be there the whole time and just have that playing behind me non-stop <laughs> but i did because i am a faithful uh acolyte of ship bottom brewery um i did have obviously some in the fridge and I did happen to have their Imperial Pumpkin Ale. So that's what I'm going with tonight. Now, this thing is a monster. It's 9.4%. And it is delicious for one, but it's also it's also kind of strong. Like there, there is a, a hint of the 9.4 there in, in the taste. And uh, 
like I said, though, it's still really good. But Imperial Pumpkin Ale, chip item. It's got this like gnarly pumpkin headed like diver on the can. I think it's pretty, uh, pretty metal. But uh, I will also be uh, drinking something else uh, for the second beer. Uh, I will be dipping into a Lynn Villa Orchard Ship Bottom exclusive. So I'll be getting into that. But before we get there, we have to talk about uh, the legendary Wes Craven. We have to start off with 1972's Last House on the Left, which is his first ever feature film. And it's, uh, depending on how you look at it, it's, it's either the weirdest horror movie you've ever seen or it's the most disturbing horror movie you've ever seen <laughs> it's a mix of both for me i yeah. after mike i after watching mike uh the disturbing level i i would say is kind of close to on par like because i we did several comparisons with like 70s horror and Jap- japanese horror like mm-hmm. with the whole leashes off thing and it's definitely a disturbing watch, but also there's so many scenes where I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this this movie is right in the beginning of the, you know, anything goes, no holds barred kind of horror movies. And especially the fact that this essentially was originally a porn. It was a porno. It was a hardcore porn. And Wes took out all of the hardcore sex scenes and this is what you get <laughs> now uh, who's into that like exactly seriously. but like here's the other thing the other thing with this movie is he couldn't get past an x rating with the mpaa so he called one of his buddies on the film board and his buddy gave him the authentic like r rating seal and he just released it himself like oh i got an r rating here theaters put it out you know <laughs> it's kind of like oh go around the go around the mpaa for this one <laughs> nah. Yeah, uh, this movie is like there are it, there are scenes that are extremely deserving, like graphic sex scenes and rape scenes, and then there are scenes where I'm just like, that that made the cut. Yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. That scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most like we'll get into because we'll also talk about the remake that was made, and because um, that's it was also one of the long line of horror remakes that happened about 10 years ago or you know 15 years ago but um the thing with this movie and like you mentioned the rape scenes i wouldn't call them necessarily graphic because most of them are off screen mm-hmm. um you only hear what's happening um but there is some you know in the woods when they do make um the two girls you know have sex with each other and it's that is disturbing and it's rough but when um the thing with the the, uh, the remake is it's pretty much like, oh, this has got to be, you know, edgy and gritty and all that. So they make the rape scene happen for like 10 minutes, you know, and it's just a close up on the girl's face. And like the whole time she's just being raped. And it's like, all right, at some point, this is not a movie. This is just you wanting to watch a girl get raped on film, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, you can, it's really you can blame this type of movie for starting the whole torture porn type genre kind of i mean i could see that but then again you know it doesn't i the weirdly enough it doesn't stay past its welcome in this you know yeah not that obviously a rape scene would be welcome but it it lasts about the right amount of time that it needs to you know to get the point across or to make the idea make you a little uncomfortable it doesn't overstay and now i thought uh 
Mari. So this is the first time I had seen this movie. And after, uh, is it Phyllis dies? Yeah. Uh, I thought Mari was going to be like, I thought this was going to be a, oh, she comes out, gets revenge, and then boom, she's dead. Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers for all these movies because these all have, well, except for Vampire in Brooklyn. (laughs) Scream and Last House on the Left both have twists, essentially. And let's be honest, you're not going to watch Vampire in Brooklyn. I mean, you kind of should. It's kind of amazing (laughs) in a terrible way, but... (laughs) With this movie, yeah, this movie, it does. It's it's one of those ones where it's like a Wes Craven pull the rug out from underneath you situation. Like, you think this girl's going to live and it's going to be a revenge thing for her. Well, guess what? She doesn't, and it's her parents that get the revenge. <laughs> and watching her dad emerge with that chainsaw, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so good, too, because he's even, like, you know, pushing it at the camera kind of thing. He's, like, he's like pushing it at him. It's so funny. Like, oh, <laughs> Now... The cops in this movie. Oh my yeah, we kind of need to talk about these fucking cops. For one, it's Martin. It's uh Martin Cove. It's Crease from um from Cobra Kai. <laughs> yeah, and I mean I love Cobra Kai. Like I love the new show for Cobra Kai. I've actually watched it. Yeah, yeah, it's really worth a watch. That's what I've heard. I heard it is. But I'm not. I'm not a fan of the original movie. Like I'm one of the few people in the world that's not a fan of the Karate Kid. I, just, I think I just, Cobra Kai. I think the. I think Cobra Kai is better than the original movie. Well, probably by a decent margin. I love my. I love me some Zapka. You know, Billy Zapka is my man. Yeah. Love that dude. <laughs> but anyway, with this movie, so. Yeah, the cops. I I've never seen more, bigger idiots on screen. I don't think especially not in this kind of movie because this movie's tone is a dark psychopath are raping and murdering these two girls and they're escaped convicts is what they are and then you got these fucking keystone cops that are just like bumbling their way through this movie and have nothing to do with anything they're just following the events that happen and it's almost you know um so in Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Yes, exactly. The, the agents that are following the knights for the whole movie and then they just show up at the end? That's exactly right. That is exactly what they are. Yeah, that's the best way to put that. That's exactly what they are. And I just, like, I wish there was a scene of, like, you know, the dead old man in Monty Python where they just kind of lift his arm and it drops. Yeah. Like, I was waiting for something like that. <laughs> Instead, you get like the fucking Benny Hill theme whenever these guys are on screen. It's like, dan, 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 like where they're just doing some bullshit, like falling over in the road. And so, it's stupid. so they come up to the abandoned car that belongs to the convicts. They're like, eh, nothing to see here. Yeah, let's not check that out, even though there's a missing girl and this is a mysterious car outside of her house. <laughs> and then you go to, uh, then they're like, oh, maybe we should have checked out that car. And they go to drive there, and then they run out of gas. <laughs> yeah, they run out of gas. They're hitchhiking. Guys are, like, flipping them. They go to stop, and, like, it's a bunch of, like, rowdy teens that are, like, hate cops. And it's there, it's this weird little, like, sitcom plot that's going on in the back of this rape and murder, like, revenge movie. <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. make sense. <laughs> and the, the, the way the cops finally get there is an older black woman pulls over and makes them ride on the roof. <laughs> Of her chicken, uh, of her chicken truck, because the chickens take priority. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was uh, it was that that was really weird. Because every time they showed up, 
it took me out of the movie. I was yeah. like, I was like, I was in for this murder psychopath, you know, rape movie. I was down for this, but then every time I see these fucking idiots, I'm not watching an episode of Chips in the middle of this horror movie. You know, I, I'm sick of this shit. Why are we doing this? You know. And so all the scenes that I'm like, really, that made the cut was all the scenes with the cops. Every watch. Yeah, because you take them out of it and maybe just have them show up at the end for when the dad finally does chainsaw Krug. Then it's it's fine because the cops are kind of just showing up like, oh, shit, we're late. You know, you don't see why they're late. You know, <laughs> you don't see that they had this no. little fucking these little shenanigans <laughs> beforehand. Here's what I want to say. Uh, Krug is a. He's a two-pump chump type of guy. Yeah, he's also Walmart brand Stallone. Yeah. <laughs> or he's also like the car attendant from Ferris Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy that's like, yeah, boy, what country you think this is, you know? <laughs> it's That's the only thing I can think of the whole time. Like just picturing him driving the car like over the hill and screaming <laughs> with his buddy, you know, <laughs> screaming with Weasel. <laughs> but talk about dedication to... Uh, to the revenge, the mom goes outside with one of the guys, seduces him, starts uh, starts going down on him and bites his dick off. Bites his dick off. Yeah, that's that's it's one way to get revenge. That's, <laughs> it's I would call news. that one of the most effective ways to get Absolutely. revenge. Absolutely. I mean, it's ironic because he wasn't the rapist. Yeah. The- <laughs> so why did I mean really why did Weasel have to lose his dick you know it's, he wasn't the one that used it <laughs> he was just kind of you know the nut job on the side that like loved his knives loved his switchblade <laughs> and then the uh, what's his name the, the young kid in the group the oh um junior. yeah Her- the junkie yeah it was um uh, junior they call yeah, it junior. and he gets talked into killing himself, and he's just a giant idiot of a character. Oh, he's completely a nothing character. Like, you think, like, nowadays in a, in a horror movie, he'll be the guy that's talked into being on the good guy's side. Yeah. And, like, he'll turn on the people. And that's kind of what Mari tries to do with him in this. And it seems like it works at a point. Like, uh, Yeah, but then it doesn't. You yeah. Know, because that's not this type of movie. That's, that's not the story that Wes Craven's telling. Like, he is... He's kind of telling, if anything, aside from, you know, the big crazy revenge thing at the end and the coincidence that it happens to be the house that these people try to uh, pull up in. He's kind of telling a realistic story here. You know, nine times out of ten in this situation, these girls are not surviving. You know, yeah. they're, they're in the woods with some ex-convicts that are planning to murder. You know, they're not going to just let them go, you know, <laughs> but so there won't be a happy ending. And it's ironic that he does tack on a certain type of happy ending, even though these people are either going to jail or if these cops are that bad, they're just going to be like, revenge succeeded. Carry on with your life, knowing that your daughter was raped and murdered and you now have her dead body in your in your living room. <laughs> you know, it's there is no happy ending here. No, no. And yeah, so again, uh, horror movie protagonists not being that smart the two girls there are several situations where they could have like maybe they catch a knife somewhere but they could have escaped and yeah or at least gotten someone's attention there are a couple points (laughs) well the whole thing the reason why they even get in this problem to begin with is because they're trying to buy drugs off of junior 
and just because he looks like a guy who has drugs this is the 70s no <laughs> don't do that shit granted apparently everyone is super hospitable to strangers but again in the city in the 70s you pretty much have to expect everyone's trying to kill you yeah. <laughs> it's this guy might be able to tell you you know where the nearest bar is but do not go into his house with him do not uh, do yeah you know like what is the matter with you i'm never i'm not gonna victim blame here but i'm telling you they didn't put themselves in the best situation <laughs> well i was laughing because it reminded me of like a meme i saw i always try to bring memes into this yeah every time but uh it's like a thing where uh, they're saying young people aren't answering their doors if they don't expect anyone and then the first comment is are young people ruining the sui- or the uh, serial killer business? <laughs> hey, damn millennials. <laughs> These kids <laughs> can't let people randomly murder them anymore. You bastard. I remember back in my day, Jeffrey Dahmer was the man, you know? <laughs> he was able to pick up a guy off the street and just put him in a tank of acid. No one cared, you know? Whatever happened to the good old Different days? times. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to the good old days, you know? But yeah, it's, 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 a, it's pretty much, you know, if you want to break it down to it's, you know, most simplistic element it is essentially a don't talk to strangers movie. Yeah. You know? Like just don't talk to strangers because a, if the girls don't talk to junior they they survive. Now let's fast forward and say they don't and say they do talk to them and they do end up dying. If the parents don't just randomly let strangers in their house, there might not be an issue. They, they might never know where their daughter is, granted, but they won't be murderers. But also at the same time, if you flip it and you look at it from the escaped convict's point of view, they're trusting these random strangers to take them in and take, let them have a roof over their head. Oops. <laughs> you know, that, was a, that was a mistake on their part, too. <laughs> it's bad luck, but it's also a mistake, you know? Just run. Stay on the run. <laughs> yeah, this... So there's a lot to like about this movie in terms of what type of movie you're getting and then there's a lot that i'm just like yeah this was done poorly it's it's a classic first movie it really is because there's there's a lot of future craven in this movie yeah with his best movies they combine horror with comedy mm-hmm. like it's not horror comedies but there are funny parts and witty parts, usually a lot of like intro, especially with Scream. We'll get into the meta aspect of Scream when we get to it. But with his movies like Nightmare on Elm Street and New Nightmare, especially. Love New Nightmare. Lot, yeah, it's great. There's there is a lot of winking kind of at the camera. You know, it's like the audience, you it's like you get this, right? Like you get what I'm going for here, you know. But with this, it's very much it seems like he wanted to tell a horror story but also didn't want it to be as dark as it would have been had he not put the cops in it. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like he added the cops just so people might be able to sit through, even though this movie was marketed as keep telling yourself it's just a movie. Like that famous line was used in the trailer. Like, even though that was the way to get people in the seats, it's almost like he was like, all right, well, I got them. I can't completely, you know, ruin their night for you know 90 minutes i gotta give them something to laugh at so i give them uh this sassy black woman with some chickens and these keystone cops you know (laughs) yeah and so with his future movie so the movies i ended up watching this week was this um i watched scream 
I watched Scream 2, and then I watched Nightmare, New Nightmare, and The Hills Have Eyes. Hills Have Eyes is a great one. That's that in terms of like movie that actually scared me the most, I'd say The Hills Have Eyes probably has it. Yeah, it's 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 nuts. I haven't seen it in years, but it's I remember loving it when I saw it, been like, this is good. <laughs> uh but with this one, there's just I don't know. The fact that it's his first outing excuses some things, and there's a lot good to it, but overall there were just too many points that took me out of the movie. Well, it's also a landmark movie, you know. It's it's one of those movies that obviously gets you know Wes Craven on this on the screen, like on the scene, and it's it's also right before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. So it really does establish not so much the slasher genre, but it definitely establishes that like anything goes kind of seventies horror. Yeah. And it it's really like I guess I don't want to call it mainstream. But it is one of the more, it's one, it's, it is, oh, I guess it is kind of mainstream. It's one of the one where like, like a lot of the public actually had a chance to see it. You know, it wasn't in like, you know, the, the tiny theaters only. Whereas like if somebody tried to put that out nowadays, it would be like an art house pick somewhere yeah. in the city. Like you, you wouldn't be seeing it in say Morristown or the suburbs, something like that. It wouldn't be coming to your local Regal, you know? <laughs> yeah. And is this so I don't know what the first movie to do the whole based on a true story trope, but that was kind of well, a thing. I think the exorcist tried to pull that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's there's also a certain amount of okay, how much of that is a marketing ploy? How much of this literally did happen, you know? Like I, I know in the 70s, like I, I know there are probably cases that are similar to this. So yeah, it was based on true events but like it happens yeah the whole the whole base on a true story implies that this all happened to like this is one story that it's based off of yeah it's yeah it does it does lead you to believe that you know there is some family out there that got revenge for their raped and murdered daughter but you know it's i and again i'm sure somewhere somehow that did take place because you know just over a long enough timeline everything happens kind of thing mm-hmm. but it's I, I'm inclined to believe, you know, because then there's also, you know, Texas Chainsaw did that too, but there has been, you know, some documented cases of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre actually something like it happening, you know. Well, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he's, uh, Faith is, is based off of, uh, Ed Gein, I want to say mostly. Yeah. And then, you know, there are, there was, I mean, I have to look more into, I'm probably just talking on my ass, but shit, I'm trying to remember what I read. You know, there, there were, a, there was a string of, you know hitchhiker murders shit like that you know in the 60s and 70s but so again yeah like you said like yes these events probably did happen but maybe not the way that they're being portrayed on film you know to meet the dad that chainsaw fought a serial killer the funny thing would be like that was the true part yeah (laughs) just like the chainsaw fight is the truest part and the rest was just made up the chainsaw fight's the best part of this movie i love the chainsaw fight it is pretty great. And I also love the line. I think um, I think Phyllis has it where she says, my parents are in the iron and steel business. My mother irons and my father steals. <laughs> <laughs> I like that line. Because that line right there is like a Wes Craven line. It's yeah. a really good line right there. And then, of course, you know, the whole movie, we didn't even start like talking about how the movie starts off. The movie starts off for like 15 minutes of talking about Mari's boobs. <laughs> yeah. Which is just weird because it's her parents that bring it up. <laughs> 
Yeah, the dialogue and like the pacing of the movie seem a little weird. Yeah, they they do seem like it's it's almost like nowadays if you if you were to see this movie nowadays, and I'm not talking about the remake, I'm talking about say this movie was put out by someone now, and like not a talented filmmaker like Wes Craven obviously is. It the that scene would be you know somebody going oh this is extreme let's have these girls talk about their tits man like you could see these bros like you know mm-hmm. drinking and coming up with some stupid shit like that and then putting it on screen but it wouldn't have because it's odd because it almost like this this talk about the father being like oh you're not wearing a bra and the girls like girls my age don't wear bras you know shit like that where it's like it almost seems like they're they are a loving family yeah, and it seems like that's like a legitimate conversation. Like, hey, come on, can you at least put something on those? And the girl's like, no, this is the cool way to wear your clothes nowadays, you know, kind of thing. And he's not really judging her. He's just kind of like, I can see your boobs, kind of thing. Yeah, it's like you're not gonna you lose the house in this. You're a McDonald's, not a whore. You know, the like, uh, the copy family guy. <laughs> so the parents are like, you also get the the parents are probably my favorite characters from this movie they are they're awesome they seem like great parents <laughs> we we tend to bring up the parents a lot and how american uh cinema doesn't usually portray good parents yeah but uh, not great these, these ones are pretty good <laughs> yeah yeah they're really good and it's also know, it's... a weird montage of them baking a cake <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> And then there's like the home alone aspect of like the revenge. Oh like, yeah. Like, the dad's just like pouring shaving cream outside of a door and you know, just doing okay. He's like it's like setting up an electrocuted like water mat and like by the front door. It's it's like Kevin McAllister if you had to re- avenge like his sister's death, you know. Oh my god, if Kevin McAllister ever had a screw loose and needed revenge, I'm not sure who's stopping him. I mean if, if we're going to say that Kevin McAllister had a screw loose, I think he did. That's I mean, true. He came up with all of that shit by himself. You know? All right, but if he had a real, re- like, more than a self-defending his oh, house true, true, reason true. to yeah. go after someone, yeah, I fear like, for that person. Yeah, exactly. I would. Yeah, wouldn't it be like H.H. H. Holmes and set up like a murder house kind of thing? Yeah, I could see him doing it. <laughs> But yeah, and well, you know, stay tuned for later in December when we talk more about Kevin McAllister. <laughs> but yeah, this this movie, and it, it's odd about this movie too, is because Wes Craven died on the 43rd anniversary of this flick getting released, which is pretty wild. Yeah. But yeah, it's mostly for the most part, like I, I have written here, like I'm just cruising through my notes. We talked about a bunch of everything, but like the soundtrack does not match the tone of most of the events on screen because oh God, aside no. from yeah aside from like the keystone cops um, and their bullshit screen most of this movie starts off with like pussy 70 full 70s folk rock you know it's it's like lesser simon and garfunkel you know just doing their you know tangerine dream shit and it doesn't it just does not match and maybe that's what craven was going for maybe he was going for that weird juxtaposition of rape and like you know some sort of like you know mamas and papas you know, soundtrack <laughs> yeah because you see other movies where like they tend to have like a light-hearted type song over horrible scenes like one that sort of comes to mind is in insidious uh the lipstick face demon they he has he has a thing for uh tiny tim song oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
It's also the song that the little kids dance into, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I got the do 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 do. It's kind of like that in South Park when they get, I got something in my pocket for you. <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of little jaunty tune. <laughs> it's funny. So the reason that I knew that song prior to uh, Insidious was it's in the first episode of SpongeBob. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, it's. It's kind of, uh, it's the thing with this movie is it's, it's one of those movies where like, if you're a horror fan, you kind of have to see it because it's legendary Wes Craven. It's his first movie. You should probably definitely see it just to see how he started. Yeah. But I don't know if I'd necessarily say it's for just regular movie fans. I don't know if it's necessary. I don't think so. I don't, I don't know if you really need to say it. Um, Especially with like, if you're not a horror movie person. Like, I would say that this movie is only for people that are very into horror. Yeah, I mean, and, like, Wes Craven completists. That yeah. Kind of thing. But, like, yeah, and it's the, the remake is you don't need to see that at all. No. You know, there's no reason to watch that at all. It's unless, I mean, I mean, you can probably find snuff films on the right, the right spots of the internet that are better than the remake of Wes House on the Left, you know? It's it's just not a good movie. It's really bad, and it's, it takes all of the the wrong parts of this movie and accentuates them you know it's it's kind of like how in texas chainsaw massacre in that remake michael bay decided to focus on like just the murder and not the complete insanity of the situation of like this whole insane family you know they just focused on the kill that's all they focused yeah. on i still love about the uh, the comedy skit about the texas chainsaw massacre they're like oh he shows up to there's a uh, I think in one of the remakes or one of the sequels, he shows up to a Texas state fair and kills people with a chainsaw. The guy's like, the guy's like, that never happened. Everyone in Texas has a gun. He pulls out a chainsaw and starts running at someone. He has 36 shots in him immediately. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he has to chainsaw anybody. <laughs> and then he was like, if it was in somewhere like Oregon or Washington, people would be like, he has the right to his opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so... And you know, the other thing I noticed here during um, the uh, the seduction scene I have, because it's when the mother is seducing Weasel before she bites his dick off, the bass line in that, did you notice it sounds exactly like Stairway to Heaven? I did. <laughs> Which came out the year before. <laughs> I was like, wait, did Craven do that on purpose? <laughs> like, did he kind of slyly put Stairway in this? Because it kind of worked. No, like Stairway to Heaven, he's about to get a blowjob. Oh, shit. <laughs> there is... I mean, this movie, it has so many parts that I'm like, well, like I see how this found the, this movie helped lay the foundation for what would be one of the best minds in horror. But then there's spots where I'm like, come on, Wes, you're better than that. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of this was just, you know, like a lot of early filmmakers, their first movie, most of the time, it's just a hustle to get it in the theater. You know, they find any way they can to get that movie released. You know, and whether it be like James Wan and um, Lee Wano, like, you know, trying to find a hustle for Saul, you know, get that shit into a theater somewhere. And then that's our foot in the door and we'll go with Wes Craven. It's like almost the same thing. It's like this movie essentially was pieced together and slapped together. And it, it never really seemed like it was a coherent idea to begin with. And then somehow he made it work and got it released by sheer force of will kind of. Yeah. And oh, yeah. The whole, uh, yeah, the whole movie rating thing was <laughs> yeah, like that's it's it's completely fucking with you know it, it's 
it's like it's like almost like illegally releasing your movie and then making it you know legit you know after the fact yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like I'll, I'll do this and then i'll apologize later situation <laughs> yeah this so i guess my final like sort of thing on this movie like i think it's a six out of ten horror movie type of deal yeah i don't think it's excellent but i do think it's worth watching especially for its influence there are hard scenes to watch in it and there yeah, are very stupid scenes yeah but yeah no but for like the most diehard horror fans it's a must watch for everyone else i'd say avoid it yeah you don't need to see it i mean it's it's also not one of those ones like if you're gonna watch horror movie marathon like you don't want to start with this or even have it kind of pop up because it's gonna take you out of it it's gonna be like oh okay I'm dealing with some Keystone cops and some rape scenes right afterwards. Oh, this is weird. It might, it might bring you down a bit, you know, but it's again, you said it. If you're a horror fan, obviously you've either probably already seen it, or if you're younger and starting your horror, you know, career, <laughs> I'd say watch it just to be able to say you've seen it, but Hills of Eyes, I'd say is a better early effort, which is his next big film. Definitely. But um, so that's probably it for last house on the left. Uh, we can check in on our beers. How's your uh, beer dump? Um, about two thirds of the way through my first beer. I'm a little hungover, so I'm going through a bit slower than. <laughs> Hair of the dog, man. Hair of the dog. Yeah, been just like relaxing, watching football all day. So. <laughs> all right, or as Gomez Adams says, "Hair of the pup." <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's I'm almost done my uh imperial pumpkin brew my imperial pumpkin ale from ship bottom and uh i'm about to move on to my second one which i mean i might as well mention it now because we're getting to it rather than you know leave everybody with blue balls i am now all in anticipation that's right i'm moving on to the ship on brewery and lynn villa orchard cider donut hard cider so this is my first non-beer of the podcast so far and I at least kept it within the same brewery. <laughs> so, well, I've done two non-beers of the podcast on the podcast right. so far. Yeah. So now it's it's Mike two Ross one. If you're keeping score, <gasps> but <laughs> I've kept it local every time. You, <laughs> hey, mine's local. This is New Jersey. <laughs> no, but you did have a couple that were not. I think it was on Ghibli where you had two that weren't. Local. Oh come on! I had to go Japanese with that. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I've, I I am the one that has strayed the farthest from New Jersey when it comes to the beers. But uh, yeah, yeah. Fact, you didn't go Japanese. You went to Milwaukee because wasn't it owned by Budweiser? Yeah, it turns out that that's a um, an ABM of uh, beer. But uh, yeah, in theory, I went to Japan. It's kind of like I went to Japan like on the internet. <laughs> you know, you went to uh, you went to. Disney went to Epcot and went to the Japanese section. That's right. I went to Japan in um in in Epcot, or I went to uh, Japan Town in San Francisco, maybe. <laughs> but uh, all right, there we go. All right, popped, popped the top on that. Now I'm gonna take it's also five point five, so it's right around the cider sign, uh, right around the cider's mid range. Oh, hello. That is that is delicious. <laughs> so I think my favorite drink that I've like the one that I drank the quickest so far in the podcast was when I had a cider. Yeah. 
I had to because my wife's not feeling great. I think she has a little bit of touch of food poisoning from uh, the hot dog we ate at Freddy's Steak Burgers. It's like, you know, yeah. it's like, well, it, it was fine. I had a burger, which was okay. But it's kind of like in between like In-N-Out and Shake Shack, you know, like maybe lesser Shake Shack because Shake Shack's better than this. But it's kind of like that style. Yeah. But she had a hot dog. I had a burger, you know, so maybe my burger, since that's what they're known for, that's was better, but her hot dog might not have greater. So she's fighting some uh feelings right now of uh of all that. But yeah, that uh this this cider's gonna drink good, I think. <laughs> Will she still be joining us for scream or not feeling up? Probably not. She's probably asleep right now, but um gotcha. Yeah, and usually, like, I'll text her on, like, the one time I texted Mike accidentally. I'll text her, and I'll be like, hey, can you grab me a beer? Well, I have, like, a little, you know, I basically have my daughter's lunchbox sitting next to me with, like, a couple, like, ice packs in it to keep a couple cool. (laughs) I always, I just bring all four beers next to me, usually. Yeah, well, I I need to keep them cool because I can't have, like, by that third one, I can't have, like, room temperature beer. I'm like, no way. That's not going to (laughs) happen. I am someone that... I on, I can only sleep if it's cold in my room. So I oh. keep, when my windows open and everything, my room is right now at a crisp 62 and I love it. <laughs> so you're like just in a refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> and that works. Yeah. I mean, if the whole room is a fridge, I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's funny because uh, I have two roommates and me and one of them like it cold. And the other one, has the blood pressure of like a 90 year old anemic woman he's cold when it's 78 out <laughs> right <laughs> well today was a little chilly at least where i am so you know yeah we got the heat on but we'll definitely have the fan going when i go to bed yeah i'm the same way it needs to be cold when i go to sleep we're not we're not letting him turn the heat on <laughs> nice nice they're just gonna you know freeze him out for a little bit we made him buy a uh, like a little heat warmer so that he could keep like a little uh, electronic space, space heater. heater. <laughs> I like it. Nice. <laughs> so anyway, that beer's checked. Roommates <laughs> freezing. <laughs> well, we Sorry, Zach. <laughs> we can move on to uh, Brooklyn uh, Vampire in Brooklyn from ninety to five. This but, uh, movie was wild (laughs) (laughs) i I kind of loved it i kind of thought it was amazing i don't know like i really don't know what to say about it because so first of all it stars eddie murphy and while it's a vampire (laughs) as a vampire and while it's all technically the same role he does do like like he could take other people's form yeah he does his multi-character thing that he does and but, it's done the worst in this movie that I've ever seen it, besides maybe Norbit. Well, you know, some of the Nutty Professor things, like the characters were fine, like in the makeup was fine, but it's like, at a certain point, dude, you got to stop playing every character, you know? But this is more of like, this is like coming to America, but not as funny, you know? Because when he hits other characters coming to America, hilarious. <laughs> well, yeah. Apparently, he would only take this role if he could play it straight. And it doesn't work with the script at all. Well, that's the thing. It really depends, because I read that too. It depends on who you ask, like what went wrong with this movie. If you ask Charlie Murphy, RIP, who is one of the writers with Eddie, if you ask Charlie Murphy, it was because Wes Craven added the comedy to this alleged horror movie. Now... If you ask Wes Craven, 
it was Eddie Murphy was supposed to play it straight and then insisted on using his comedic talents to like punch up the movie. So really, I'm kind of going to go with maybe Craven on this one because this definitely seems like Charlie Murphy and Eddie Murphy wrote a comedic vampire movie. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem like this was a horror movie that was intended to kind of be funny at times. It seems like this was a comedic vampire movie. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was very much a tale of two movies because the first half had almost exclusively comedy where I did not like, I thought it was funny, but I didn't think what was, so the things that the writers wanted you to think were funny, like the jokes and stuff didn't work. It was yeah. funny because it was bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will say this whole movie, Kadeem Hardison was awesome. I loved Kadeem Hardison in this as the um, as Eddie Murphy's ghoul, his little uh, his like his, could I could not stand him. I thought he was amazing, dude. I thought he was the best part of this movie. He was fucking hilarious the whole time. As he's like gradually like getting more decayed and dying, like shit's falling off him and all that. <laughs> I thought so. I thought Angela Bassett was one of the better parts of this movie which is weird because i thought she was one of the worst parts of this movie <laughs> i thought angela bassett was completely phoning it in and should not have been in this movie at all because it's she's above it you know yeah but i mean well first of all let's let's acknowledge the dead folk in this movie so r.i.p charlie murphy he was a writer r.i.p john witherspoon who was amazing he was a legend and then R.I.P. Ray Combs, the my favorite personal host of Family Feud, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that dude was awesome, but he was troubled as hell, but he was awesome, you know? <laughs> and the one scene that I thought was funny with uh, <clears throat> with Kadeem Hunt was... Uh, Kadeem when Hardison. He grabbed Hardison. Kadeem Hardison. <laughs> Kadeem Hardison. Was that uh, when he got the mannequin hand? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, because his hand falls off and he replaces it with a mannequin hand. <laughs> That's so good. The thing but, is, I thought he kind of over... Like, if they used him more sparingly, I think I would have liked him. But I feel like they overused him and it just made the tone a little weirder. It does kind of... It does shift it to the comedic more because his character is purely com comedy. That's yeah. it's all he is. Um, even though he's like... It's weird because he's almost like... He's kind of like a a, um, a combination of um, Seth Green and Idle Hands. And he's also, um, I'm trying to think of the damn character's name. I'm going to look it up. In American Werewolf in London, it's the friend in that. And okay. I'm trying to remember who the damn, because there's the friend in that that's like dying the whole movie. Um, uh, Griffin Dunn's character. Yes. He's like he's like a zombie and like decaying the whole movie and like he's kind of like an in between of those two, because he's like decaying the whole thing, but he's also funny as hell, kind of like Seth Green is in Idle Hands, except he doesn't have like the bottle sticking out of his head, you know, like Green does. <laughs> yeah, but I also find like John Witherspoon is obviously he's John Witherspoon in this. He's he's the dude played the same character all the time and it was always hilarious you know he was i do like john Witherspoon a lot so good i loved when he's checking out the ship in the beginning and he's yelling ahoy motherfucker yeah he's <laughs> like ahoy motherfucker you know I was like, one of the character i thought worked the best was uh dr zeko zeko which, which was, one was that he uh he's like the vampire hunter guy 
like the guy that's almost like a Van Helsing type, like uh, not Zake's Mokay was who played him. I'm completely fucking blanking on who this dude was. He's the guy that um, main character, the supposed hero, goes to get helped with a. Wait, are we talking about the cop? No, is that Alan Payne? No, I'm not talking about the cop. It, the cop goes to this guy for advice on taking down a vampire. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, Doctor Zico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's all it's coming back to me because that character completely slipped my mind because he was a nothing character really. To me. He was a nothing character. But I thought so. He has been in a couple of Craven movies, I believe, and I thought he that was one of the better cameo from older Craven movies. Yeah, I'm looking up his stuff now. He was in uh, 56 movies. He was in Monk. Oh, he's in an episode of Monk. But um, all right, so we're going through. But yeah, that guy, that guy in the um, his scene in the bar is pretty good. I yeah. thought that was good. Um, he's he is one of those characters like that's like purely exposition now, but he's also in a different world. So he may have known uh, Kadeem Hardison from that. But um, yeah, that's where you'll know Kadeem Hardison if you don't know the name. You'll know him from um. A different world he's the guy with the uh the the glasses that have like the shades that lift up as well <laughs> you know i'm i'm definitely showing my age by talking about that show but uh yeah he's dr Zico is he's definitely the guy that's like in the movie just to be like okay this is this this is that you know and this is why you know this movie is happening essentially <laughs> the other thing that i really hate about this movie is Alan Payne's character entirely. Dude, that dude. It, I mean, props to that guy for having a career, thanks to Tyler Perry, because that House of Pain show is all him. That's all him, you know? And he is the pain of the title. But, um, yeah, I my favorite with him is he was in an episode of The Fresh Prince, and he was Will's rival at, a, at like, Malibu, prep or something oh yeah he was the he's the one that had a kid right yeah he's he's got the stereotypical story like he's got a kid he's gonna have an nba scholarship and will lets him win just so he can get the scholarship but he wants to win on his own merits so they play their own game after school you know it's but it's yeah the whole character just keeps adding on things that you know it's like oh he's a high school player he's just like will oh he's from an inner city oh okay cool oh he's also got a kid Oh, he also needs a scholarship to go to school, then like to live. Oh, he's also got this. It's like, oh, okay, just keep tacking this shit on. But he's not bad in the episode. Like he's he's a good yeah. foil to Will Smith. But yeah, in this, he's Angela Bassett's like ex or not crush or like it's it's weird because he's in love with her. But there's also this weird thing like maybe they have a past together. You know, yeah. it's it's kind of it's weird. It really is weird. There's so much about this movie that doesn't work, which is the main reason that it might be watchable because you could find comedy in all the failures. Oh, it's it's <laughs> now if we're going to talk about the movies, movies that we've purely talked about, Ricochet, number one by far, by far. Then you- I think I think Monkey Shines is close to Ricochet. Oh, you're insane, but I I will allow it. I will allow it because it's it makes sense, but like. Monkey, I mean, uh, Ricochet number one, definitely for me. Monkey Shines, yes, definitely number two. Then if you're going to fall off a cliff for a while, then you hit this. Then you hit Vampire in Brooklyn for me. Because 
this movie's bad, but it's also entertainingly bad until like mm-hmm. the end of the movie when they try to be legit, you know? Yeah, like, there's like what are you doing? They completely changed the tone of this movie at like the I don't not quite like a little bit after the halfway mark where they yeah. try to make Eddie Murphy actually seem like a threat. Or like an actual vampire, you know? It's, yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like funny vampire for a while. And then like, okay, real vampire. You know, it's like, oh, this isn't fun anymore. Now I do have a question. Did did you watch this on like HBO or whatever it was available on? Yeah. Did you in the beginning of the movie have that weird scene where it's like just a quick screen flash where it said media offline with a red screen? Did you notice that? I didn't notice it. I had to rewind it like three times. And I was like, maybe I didn't see that right. Apparently they're like somebody I thought it was going to happen. Like I thought it was going to be some sort of like, you know, choice by Craven. Like mm-hmm. this is a security camera or something. No, it was just this really weird missed edit. I think by him, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was like, it just shows that like he leaves this in. This just shows me that West does not give a shit about this movie. You know? <laughs> and this comes between my two favorite West Craven movies. What's well, right before scream. Yeah. And it's right after new nightmare. Oh, you're right. It is. Yeah. That's, it almost seems like because New Nightmare and Scream are so meta when it comes to horror movies, it's almost like somebody was like, hey, Eddie Murphy wants to make a horror movie. You, you're down for a paycheck? And Craven was probably like, sure, I need a pool. You know, I'll do this. <laughs> yeah. And now there are parts like the the atmosphere set by like the like the lighting and everything works like it would work for a horror movie. Yeah, it's like mostly nighttime in the city. And- I think there were three shots during the day, three yeah. short day scenes. <laughs> yeah, and both of them were involving like Alan Payne's character trying to investigate something. That's really all it was. But um, there there's also a lot of like little shit in this movie, like uh, Kadeem Hardison's ex girlfriend or current girlfriend or like the girl he's like fucking on the side, where she chases him out of the house and she's like. And he's like, she's like, baby, you were snoring. He's like, he's like, what are you talking about? Everybody snores. And she's like, not while they're fucking. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that's a good line. That's good. (laughs) But she's like chasing him out with a broom and she like throws him out in the street half naked. (laughs) I was like, all right, this there's some shit going on here that could be kind of funny, but you gotta pick like either comedy movie or horror movie, you know, or be subtle with the comedy in your horror movie, you know. This movie is a whole mess. It really is. With tones, with, like, the thing with Ricochet is it seemed like it knew it was insane and just went with it. And that's why Ricochet is so much fun to watch. Absolutely. Like, there's parts in this movie where it's like, okay, it's not taking itself seriously. And then there's parts where, like, why is it taking itself seriously now? It shouldn't. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but... um. There is also a great cameo by the great Mitch Pelegi, you know, for all you uh, for all you X Files fans. <laughs> you know, he gets his hand cut off. <laughs> well, no, he gets his heart ripped out. I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of weird shit, like the German Shepherd that suddenly gets shot through the air by Eddie Murphy's character. You know, nobody notices that shit in the beginning. We didn't even talk about the uh, scene where Eddie like go becomes a reverend oh yeah when he's preacher preacher whatever and yeah that was and then he's also this italian guy guido or whatever yeah and 
it's just a chance for Eddie Murphy to do his Italian guy impression that was much funnier in his stand-up than it is in this movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's so it seems like so if Eddie Murphy wanted to play this, if the if it's true that Eddie Murphy chose to play this character straight, it was the wrong choice. Yeah, he he definitely didn't do it right. Like playing a character straight. And a movie that has comedic elements works if the script calls for it. Like uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Ghostbusters, the characters are supposed to play it straight. And it's supposed to be funny that they are playing it straight. Yeah. And that's like Mel Brooks, you know, the king of comedy, in my opinion. He said it perfectly when he did Spaceballs and Blazing Saddles. All these movies. He's like, the script is there. You play this straight. Like, it is just something these people would be doing. That makes it funnier. Yeah. You, know, it, you don't try to make it funny because it's already funny. The fact that this is a ridiculous situation that these people are living in normally. You know, with this movie, they should have done that. They really should have. And especially when you got a guy like Eddie Murphy, one of the funniest dudes on the planet. You know? It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh God, I just... Talking about Mel Brooks makes me wish I watched Spaceballs instead of this movie. Well, we did. We have tried to plan out, you know, the coming episodes. So maybe February when we get to our love, we can, we'll definitely have a Mel Brooks episode because. Oh, I can't wait to have a Mel Brooks episode. Yeah. I love that, man. I am on record as saying Blazing Saddles is my favorite movie of all time. I love that damn movie. It's My it's favorite movie of all time is The Princess Bride, but. Well, there you go. You know, maybe we'll get to a Rob Reiner episode if I kill myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but... Could have done a Carrie Elway's episode. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, we already talked about Scott. We already talked about Saul. And if we do an Mel Brooks episode, we're taking out his his other biggest role. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we maybe we gotta do a series where we just talk about wrestlers and acting. <laughs> oh god, no, I can't talk about Hulk Hogan or Kane that much. <laughs> or John Cena. I just can't do it. <laughs> well, we can hit the rock. We can hit Andre the Giant. Yeah, it's oh wow, yeah, that'd be rough. But um, yeah, it's with this with Vampire in Brooklyn. It's just there. There are some good lines in there. There's there's some lines where like it sneaks through that Eddie Murphy and Charlie Murphy wrote this. You know, yeah. It's when it's when Guido gets in in arrested and he says, "Not so tight, Mister Tubbs, Mister Tibbs." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> that's a good one." <laughs> Not so tight, Mister Tibbs. I was like, "Oh." All right, let's go. Yeah, see, you know, we know we're doing here. But Angela Bassett, like that woman, is so far above this movie. Oh, absolutely. I don't know what she's thinking here because she's hamming it the fuck up. She is acting this movie, just acting with a capital A, you know, and it doesn't work. It really just does not work. But I attribute that, so it doesn't necessarily work in this movie, but if I'm going objectively who is giving the best performance, it's probably her. Yeah, for me, it's Kadeem Hardison, because he's playing the role that is appropriate for that character, you know? That character is supposed to be like a little bit of a hustler, a little bit of an asshole, a little bit of a piece of shit, but he's also a guy who's like slowly decaying as he's, you know, this servant for this vampire, you know? So he's going to have some lines and some comedy and some sarcasm to it. But for her, she's playing this like it's a fucking Oscar winning drama. 
and it's not working. It just does not work for her. And it's weird because even at the end when she's kind of a vampire and it, it's weird because they went with like the Buffy, the vampire slayer, like TV show style vampires. Yeah. And it's like, it just doesn't work. It really doesn't work. When did Buffy start? The TV show? Yeah. I would say, I think it's mid to late nineties. Yeah. I thought Buffy came after this for some reason. Because, well, the movie came early on uh, 97 is when the TV show started. The movie itself was in like 92, I think. 92 was the movie, yeah. So that was okay. before this. But um yeah, it's it's a rough movie and it's it's really does. It it only has the only thing that makes this you look at this and you go maybe this is Wes Craven and cuz you're not going to be sure that this is Wes Craven doing this. You're going to say maybe. Like, oh, it's a horror movie with some funny elements to it. You know, maybe that's Wes. You know, that could be him. But there isn't really anything here that has any of that Hallmark Craven style, you know? It's it's funny. I was going through IMDb at all the most, like, the top voted quotes from this movie. And most of them come from John Witherspoon. Yeah, absolutely, because he's the best. Uh, who's driving this vessel? Stevie fucking Wonder? Right. <laughs> yeah. We also didn't mention the fact that Alan Payne's character is a cop named Justice. Yeah, I, I'd rather just not fuck talk you. about that character. <laughs> yeah, it's like, fuck you. Justice, really, fuck you. <laughs> you know, if that was a joke, it fell flat. Fuck you, you know? I have no desire to talk about him. He, not only is he not necessary in this movie, because like you expect him to be there to like sort of end up saving the day, but, uh, but Angela Bass's character just sort of saves herself <laughs> yeah it, it really he plays no role in any of this and apparently at the end well the end you find out when obviously eddie murphy's character is defeated and whatnot blah 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 kadeem hardison ends up becoming a vampire but the way he does so is by putting on eddie murphy's ring i don't think that's how vampires work even in this movie that's not how vampires work <laughs> yeah you know i in terms of ring and vampire lore the only thing I can think of is occasionally you can have a daylight ring that lets you go out in the daylight and not burst into flames. Well, I think Dracula had some jewelry, but I, it didn't make him a vampire. No, <laughs> it was no, just no. So the only thing, again, I can think of where rings are actually part of the lore is Vampire Diaries originals where vampires can't go out in sunlight unless they have a witch make a special ring that's called a daylight ring. Yeah, or in Twilight, they happen to be sparkling vampires that wear rings. That's true. <laughs> Which, or as when you were doing your reviews on Facebook, they're actually just the Seattle Mariners. They are. They're just the Mariners. Yeah. If you watch the Twilight series, right, they're just the Seattle Mariners. That's all they are. But uh, is Felix yeah, Hernandez one of them? Is Felix yeah, Hernandez right? well, a It would make those movies better if they were the legit Mariners. You get Griffey, you get Martina, Edgar Martinez, get the old school like Mariners in there. <laughs> Fucking Jay Buner. Jamie Moyer is 110 years old. He might be a vampire anyway. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Alex Rodriguez might be a vampire. You know? But yeah, aren't steroids supposed to age you? The man did them for his whole career and he still looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's mostly because of all the makeup he wears. But yeah. 
anyway i mean well i mean it's vampire in brooklyn this movie sucks it's 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 a fun suck though and no pun intended because it's a vampire movie but <laughs> i i will say it i had fun watching it i thought it was ridiculous i, I thought, thought there were ridiculous. parts that were fun but like there are too many parts that i was like face palming for me to truly enjoy this like yeah. i did ricochet yeah, or monkey shines <laughs> right so I mean, that's, I'm done talking about it. How about you? Yeah, I don't really want to talk about it anymore, if I'm being honest. <laughs> True. All right, so now we're going to talk about 1996's Scream. Yeah, we got to check in. We got to check in with our beers. So, Mike, how is your wet ticket? <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. Hangover's sort of gone away a bit. I'm j- drinking at my normal pace now. So, I'm on to my third one. Uh, very drinkable. Uh, it's not, it doesn't fill you up too much. It it's not super pumpkiny, I don't think, but it does have like a slight hint of pumpkin. But it's really just an ale that sort of has that pumpkin cinnamon hint to it. Nice, yeah. And I'm now on to my Ship Bottom and Lynn Villa Orchard Cider Donut Hard Cider, which, like I said, fucking delicious. <laughs> it tastes like a hard cider donut, you know. <laughs> I do and, love so I love hard ciders that aren't just like your basic apple hard cider. Well, um, Angry Orchard used to do this um, apple pie one. I don't know if they still do. I haven't had Angry Orchard in forever, but they did. Well, no, it wasn't Angry Orchard. It was somebody else. It was some other fairly popular cider person, and they had one that was like an apple pie cider, which tasted just like an apple pie. It was delicious. But um, but yeah, this tastes you know because. Cinnamon sugar donuts are probably the best donut in my opinion. I mean, I'll I'll fight people that say otherwise because it's true. But if their cider donuts and Limbella are just like this, I might have to run out there and get some donuts, you know? <laughs> <laughs> when I tried the uh, Sir, Charles, Sir Charles hard ciders, I looked up their website because I loved it when I had it on the episode. And they have an apple cider one that's a 10.5% or something. Nice, nice. Oh yeah, Woodchuck. It was Woodchuck was the um, Woodchuck cider or whatever was the apple pie one. But um, yeah, this one's delicious. This is. I'm kind of mad because they have another one. It's just a regular cider that you can get pretty much anywhere. Um, that's also partnership with Linvella, but it's like you know wide distribution. But this cider, the cider donut one, is only available at the orchard, and it's it's good. I mean, I don't know if I want to drive 45 minutes to get more. I wish they would distribute it in large cases like they do the other one. But where's where's the orchard? Linvilla in Linvilla Orchards. It's okay. um it's like 45 minutes from me. It's up 95, you know, out by Chester kind of thing. Okay. But uh yeah, you gotta go past Widener to get there. Oh god, Tommy went to Widener. <laughs> yeah, it's uh not a great surrounding area to get through. <laughs> yeah. Just to get some beer or some cider, it's kind of sketchy. But regardless, it's still good stuff. So I plan on uh, drinking the rest of the six-pack. Not tonight, but definitely soon. (laughs) I I am ready to get to the best movie of the night. Absolutely. Possibly the best movie of the month of October. It's a scream, baby. (laughs) 1996 is scream. I love Scream. So good. It's such a great movie. It's it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. It's it's absolutely my favorite Wes Craven. It really is. 
It, yeah, it's like I I'll accept arguments that Nightmare on Elm Street is oh, yeah. the best, but in terms of just enjoyable watch, I think Scream knocks it out of the water. Yeah, it, Freddy's good. Freddy gets a little more comedic and funny in the sequels, but in Nightmare, he's a great villain. Like he's he's obviously legendary and he's original you know like no longer like even when you're asleep you're not safe you know that's kind of thing like some of the scenes in nightmare like the one that always gets me is when she's falling asleep in the bathtub and the claw comes out the great little shot between her legs or the kind the the clock out now obviously if we're going to talk about nightmare we got to talk about johnny depp's scene which is my favorite into the bed (laughs) and just a geyser of blood and just an entire like geyser of blood. But the thing is, like, that's what I remember because there's a scene in Vampire in Brooklyn where there's blood coming through a keyhole after someone was dead. Now, the only way that that works is if it's Johnny Depp's bedroom because that whole fucking thing was covered in blood, you know. <laughs> but yeah, he gets he gets sucked in Johnny Depp no more. Famous one of the most famous scenes in I guess horror movie history. But um, yeah, Nightmare is great. It's a good scare slasher final girl all the standard horror stuff is there with it but i would make an argument that sydney might be the best final girl she's not bad she's uh, nev campbell is good like i i I enjoy nev campbell in this one and definitely in this one she's great as a final girl in this one she gets a little unbearable as it goes on that's true but you know especially in two and three she's kind of better in four but two yeah. and three, she gets a little unbearable. I've never seen four, actually. Seriously? Really? Yeah. It's it's pretty good. It's it's if I'm gonna rank the screen movies, I'm gonna go one, four, two, three. Yeah, two's the only one. I mean, three's the only one where I'm like, it's a genuinely bad movie. Don't it's watch it. Especially since it pulls these standard. Now, obviously, they do. They don't talk about you know the the trilogy rules. Well, then they do talk about the trilogy rules because Randy comes back from the dead in a random videotape he recorded somehow. But it's they don't discuss the fact that this one reveals actually, I think they might discuss it. Three reveals some shit that we never knew before. Yeah. And that's the fact that Sydney has an illegitimate half brother, you know? And it's it's like, okay, that kind of makes sense, but it doesn't. It's also the only one with just one killer. You know? That's true. And I won't ruin the fourth one for you, but the fourth one does have two colors in it. <laughs> and then two, I like that we get uh we get Lee Schreiber. I love Lee Schreiber. Yeah, you well, you actually get him to talk and have lines. And this he's just seen in, in uh, uh footage on uh, TV report. Yeah. Super yeah. young Liam Schreiber, Liam Schreiber, too. I he's he's one of my favorite sort of underrated actors. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Now he kind of has that, like, you know, he sort of has that, like, Batman voice going. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in, you know, in Scream, he's just kind of, you know, he's Liam Shriver. And so he becomes, you know, well, he's Cotton Weary. But when he becomes uh, Cotton Weary, the TV show host, you know, in the yeah. third one, it's kind of like, uh, okay, <laughs> what are you doing here, buddy? What's going on? But yeah, with this movie, Fuck, I love this movie so much. There's, and I will say right off the bat, because we have to do it. 
My favorite part of this movie is obviously Matthew Lillard. There's no one better. Uh, wait, there's, there's more. more. Yeah, he is also Hackers. He's one of the best parts of Hackers. You know, he is sha- the he is Shaggy from Scooby Doo. He is so good. The best part is the 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 screen Blu-rays that I have is like it's a five disc um, three movie set. So it's the first three movies with these two extra discs that are documentaries. One of which I think was shown on like AMC or a or something like that. But it interviews the cast like whenever they put this out, like 25 years later, 20 years later, whatever it was, interviews him. And Matthew Lillard himself is like, you watch me in that movie? How the hell did I have a career after this? And it's like, I get it, dude. It's like, at least he gets it. Like you watch him in That's this a- movie? Stu Mocker is fucking insane. <laughs> That's the thing with Matthew Lillard. I love him. He's great. He's but he's either totally insane or a total dick. There, that's what Matthew yeah. Lillard plays. I think he works best when he's completely off the nut, off his nut. You know, like what I a movie I'd point to that's a more grounded performance. That I love the movie. Matthew Lillard's sort of a background type character. He he's a catalyst for a lot of things that happen in, in the movie, but. Um, is The Descendants with George Clooney. I've only seen that once, and I barely remember it. I really like that movie, but again, that's like one of his more reserved roles. And then you look yeah. at Trouble with the Curve, and he just plays a dickhead executive type. Yeah, Clint Eastwood's old man yells at baseball movie. I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> I've seen... I like Justin Timberlake, That's and I like Amy Adams, so... Timberlake's in that movie? Really? Yeah. I'm going to have to check it out. <laughs> Just because I want to see what the hell he does in that movie. He's, he's, a, he's a younger scout. Oh, he's a scout. Oh, okay. So he's like the stat scout, I'm guessing. He's um he's a scout for so he's on the same sort of route that Clint Eastwood has to look at as a scout. Oh. But he is for the Red Sox where Eastwood's for the Braves. Oh, okay. So I like him like even better. But um yeah, it's Lillard is so in this movie, he's fucking off. He's off the chain. He's he's amazing. But I'm getting woozy here. Get a little woozy here. You ever the phone, Dick? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but all of, it's so funny because when you know the ending of this movie, again, we've said spoilers forever, but it's Billy and Stu are the killers. When you rewatch this movie knowing who the killers are, it's so obvious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly obvious. The only thing you have to figure out is who kills who, when, you know? Like, who's actually perpetrating some of these murders? Yeah. But, oh, it's Wait, I'm absolutely looking at, obvious. I'm looking at the Scream 2 cast. Timothy Oliphant's in it. <laughs> yep, he's one of the killers. I love Timothy Oliphant. It's him and... um. Uh, Jackie from Roseanne. Uh, can't think of her damn name. She's Billy's mother, is who she ends up being. It's revealed to be. Yeah. And yeah. I, the third I, one is Roman. Is um, Roman? You know, is uh, Sydney's half brother. It's the director of the movie. In the third one. But um, yeah, it's Scream Two. You know. Because all of these movies are directed by Wes Craven. He's the only one that's ever uh, directed, I think, his the entire franchise. Yeah. But um, Scream 2 is... It's it's fine. I think it's okay. It's 
it does do a decent job of calling itself, you know, because obviously this whole franchise is super meta. You know, it's 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 the horror movie that comments on horror movies, you know, and mm-hmm. in the screen too is even more so because they do the whole trope of like there's a film studies class, you know, and it's at a college and they even make note of all this being a sequel, you know, all of this shit. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on, but my favorite part might be the movie within a movie you know, oh, yeah. that, they, that they end up doing of the first movie. So Skeet Ulrich's character is played by Luke Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> and Neb Campbell, when she says, when somebody asked her in this movie, oh, when the movie of this is made, who's going to play? And she's like, oh, my luck, they'll get somebody like Tori Spelling. Well, guess who they get in the sequel? <laughs> you know, it's Tori Spelling. <laughs> And Heather and then, Graham as Drew Barrymore's Casey and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that, was Drew Barrymore top cast, like top build. Yes. That's the that was the biggest thing about this movie. Yeah. She was the biggest name. She was in the poster and all of that. And she dies in the first scene. <laughs> you know, everybody's kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> what is this shit? <laughs> and then of course you get Courtney Cox in it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Courtney Cox was also, you know, she was lobbying hard to be in this movie because she didn't want the Monica from Friends thing to define her, which, funny enough, it did, you know, but. And my, the absolute dumbest horror movie death ever, Rose McGowan's character. Tatum, good old Tatum. Yeah, Tatum with her. What's this, I spit on your garage? Yeah. So... If you don't know Rose McGowan, watch Planet Terror. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or Charmed. She was. She's one of the sisters in Charmed. That's right. Yeah. Or if you're a news person, she's one of the first to accuse Harvey Weinstein of being a complete asshole and monster. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is ironic because this is a Weinstein film. <laughs> but this was more Bob Weinstein than anything. You know, the lesser of the Weinstein's. Not the, yeah. At least that's been proven the complete pervert. But you know, Bob was the good Weinstein, if that's a question mark, if that's a thing. <laughs> but well, he's the better Weinstein. Yeah. Right, let's well, not call him good. We'll call him better. <laughs> better. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. McGowan's also on record as saying this is her favorite movie to do. Like this is her best experience in a movie. So it's like, oh, okay, you know, so you can watch this movie and not be uncomfortable watching it, you know, because you know that despite what happened the rest of her career and the other her other experiences, you know she enjoyed this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> But oh God, this movie is so stacked with great performances. Even Jamie Kennedy, you know, who I, I normally, love Jamie Kennedy. In this. I'm normally not in this. Yes. In these movies, I'm normally not a fan of his outside of this. Like Malibu's most wanted can fucking burn for all I care. The, the Jamie X experiment or whatever the fuck it was. Get rid of that shit. I could care less. But in the Scream franchise, I am perfectly fine with Jamie Kennedy. No, I think they... <laughs> They do his character so dirty in Scream 2. Well, he's got to die, you know? It's I get that he's got to die, but, like, <laughs> but also he, he knows horror movies the best and can't see that he's, like, at a perfect trap. Like, come on. Yeah. Come he on. also doesn't realize that he's not the main character kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, he should know about the final girl rule and that he is not that. <laughs> and... Oh, also, so I'm a huge Mighty Ducks fan. Okay. And Charlie Conway shows up in Scream 2. Charlie Conway. Which one's that? 
I'm not a Mighty Ducks. Oh, um, are you talking about Josh Jackson? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was also, you know, in Urban Legends, which um, is Scream is responsible for creating, you know, because this whole movie, the whole people, characters talk about being in a horror movie while being in a horror movie, you know, that whole meta self-referential aspect of this movie was completely groundbreaking at the time, aside from maybe New Nightmare. Yeah, I'd say New Nightmare was sort of the blueprint for this movie. But this one, I think, perfected it. Yeah. And unfortunately, after that, you obviously get the sequels to this movie, but you also get, like, I know what you did last summer. You get Urban Legend, or fucking Urban Legend. Then you get, you know, every other horror movie that tries to have, you know, the Dawson's Creek dialogue because it's Kevin Williamson. You know, they try to just ape off of that and make it the same movie, but it's just not that. And it's not thought out. The only movie that I can give a proper spiritual successor to scream in terms of meta horror is cabin in the woods. Right. And that's the whole thing of that is it, it doesn't take the slasher aspects. It takes the whole stereotypes of horror movies into effect, Mm -hmm. you know, and that would, what that's what makes it better because it's also a supernatural movie. Yeah. It's like a monster movie. It's, it's all of it combined. It's almost as if the entire horror universe, like horror movie universe existed in one spot. And was supposed to exist that way, you know? Now, I can't bring up Scream and not bring up the starting of the spoof movie movies with Scary Movie. Which was this movie's original title. Yeah. It's supposed to be Scary Movie. Now, of the Scary Movies... The original scary movie is the one I will I would actually I actually watch. I love the original scary movie. I enjoy it. It's really good. And it it (laughs) plays off of this movie so well. It really does. Like the Bobby character that's supposed to be Skeet Ulrich, like he's perfect. And a Shannon Elizabeth's character (laughs) who's supposed to be basically Tatum. She's hilarious, (laughs) you know. (laughs) (laughs) I love her death scene because the, the ghost face version of scary movies just sort of like what the fuck's going on who you find out to be her brother yeah well she's <laughs> calling it the whole time she's like oh is this where i fall in and break my leg and then she breaks her leg and she's like oh god i'm panicking now you know <laughs> and then he cuts her head off she's like oh look i'm just a severed head how cliche <laughs> you know and she just won't shut up talking <laughs> <laughs> the the fact is it marlon wins that plays a uh... Yeah, he plays um, Dookie? No, 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 no. Uh, Is it Dookie? I think that's the character. But either way, you know, it's... But his character is essentially Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, except a way goofier version. He plays Shorty. 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 Because Doofy is the cop that kills everyone. That's right, right, right. But it's... Yeah, and... You know, Carmen Electra plays the Drew Barrymore role in the beginning as Drew, and she, like, runs through the sprinkler in, like, her bra and panties, you know. The, uh, she gets stabbed in the chest, and then she doesn't die because he pulls out her fake boob. Yeah, her implant comes out, and, you know, <laughs> Regina Hall is Brenda. And, and she doesn't actually, the killer never gets her. Her parents run her over because his right. dad's getting roadhead. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Which is weird because like I'll rewatch this movie and be like, wait, was that in this movie or was that in scary movie? <laughs> yeah. I can't remember which one it was. In terms of spoofs, the first scary movie's fantastic. It is. It really is. And you know, say what you want about it, but and the guys that wrote it, because the guys that wrote it ended up being complete at like there was like a team of guys that wrote that movie, and two of them broke off and did like every other parody movie like superhero movie disaster movie all the garbage movies yeah. that came out after that but and i think they even wrote like the later scary movie sequels you know because the wayans brothers were two of the writers on the first one mm-hmm. and those guys again say what you will about their later movies whatever those guys are funny yeah. and they come from keenan ivory wayans who is you know in living color all of the legendary like you know comedy of the 90s essentially kind of came from him and those the Wayans family was involved in most of that. And they they are the reason why that movie probably holds together as well as it does. You know? <laughs> One of my favorite parts is Shorty gets shot and he's like, oh no, they hit my lung. And then the weed smoke's coming out of that. He's like, you gonna hit that? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and I love the end when they do the security footage where he's like, all right. The rule number one, never look back. And then it was like, snatch him on. Turns out they're robbing the original <laughs> convenience store. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, doing the rules or whatever. Like, yeah. Like, David Kennedy's character does. But with, so, you know, well, with this movie, the craziest thing is Molly Ringwald was offered the role of Sydney instead of Nev Campbell. Yeah. And she turned it down because she didn't want to be 27 playing a high schooler. You know, it's like, Okay, mm-hmm. well, you were much older when you were in, you know, Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink. So, you know, what was the real difference? Did you not want to just be, you know, in a mur- in a horror movie? Is that what it was, Molly? You know? Mm-hmm. But it's... And also, did you notice, like, are you a Ninja Turtles fan? I am. Did you notice that Gail Weathers is dressed like April O'Neil at one point? I did not. In her yellow outfit. It's essentially April O'Neil. April O'Neil, also a reporter, you know? So I was like, wait a minute. Does Wes Craven know what he's doing here? (laughs) Is he making some weird, like, extended Chinese Mutant Ninja Turtles reference here? (laughs) There's so much to love about Scream. It's It's, so good. We didn't even bring up um, uh, Fonzie's character. Oh, Henry Winkler. Yeah. Who fixes his hair like Fonzie at one point. <laughs> but he's kind of a creepy principal. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 a, a psychopath. Like yeah. he's got a dark side to him. He will threaten teenagers with scissors. <laughs> you know, he'll do that. But at the same time, he is a bit touchy and a bit, you know, too involved, maybe with Sydney. You know, yeah. <laughs> he cares too much, let's say. <laughs> Oh wait, in Scary Movie, is that, doesn't, is it in Scream or Scary Movie where Wes Craven is the janitor? Scream. It's Scream. Scream. He, yeah, he reeks out, he leaks out and um, uh, Henry Lucas says, he ducks out the, the door and he says something. And then the janitor turns, he's like, whoa, are you talking to me? He's like, no, Fred, sorry. And it's Wes Craven dressed as Freddy Krueger, yeah. you know, being as the janitor kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, that's, that's definitely in Scream. But um. I'm trying to think because I think in the the principal in scary movie is uh, Squiggy from Lenny from um, uh, Laverne and Shirley. He's Principal Squigman. But the scenes in scary movie. The what are you waiting for? What am I waiting for? <laughs> the guy commits suicide when she's right. screaming yeah, at the, the teacher. Yeah, the teacher is going to kill himself on top of the school. Yeah, 
Yeah, they in that uh I know what you did last summer party. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like obviously there's also in this movie, there's also Roger Jackson, who is the voice of the killer on mm-hmm. on the phone. And uh the dude's got he's got such a great like scary voice you know it's 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 terrifying and apparently he never met any of the characters while they were filming like any of the actors like they kept them separate and he was actually talking to them when scenes were on the phone like he was legitimately talking to them through that so like in a way he's actually acting with them yeah but it's it's pretty hilarious that they never met each other and this dude was just like one of them one of the most memorable if not the most memorable part of this movie oh yeah because the voice on the phone is like that's what i think of when i think of scream what's your favorite scary movie you know it's it's (laughs) all of that it's like holy shit what's the uh what was Carmen Electra's answer? The movie where Shaq plays it, where Shaq acts <laughs> Kazam or whatever. It was. He's like, that's not a scary movie. You ever seen Shaq acting? Never seen Shaq act? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's also, she also does the line, like, my boyfriend's big and black and he, you know, he'll kick her ass and it turns out it's Prince. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, God, this, there's so much about this movie and it, it all has, everything has the craven touches to it. You know, it's, a horror movie obviously but it's also funny and self-referential and it 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 seems like a world that could exist you know like where i know i know from my group of friends like from the guys i i'm i'm friends with if we somehow found ourselves in a slasher movie i would be like figured like being like oh, okay this is this or like quoting this or doing something like we'd be making references oh yeah while trying to run for our lives you know and that's what for sure for sure well i always try to think what archetype i would fall into with the horror movie yeah that's true like you like you want to think i mean obviously because we're guys like you'd, you'd think we'd be like the cool boyfriend but at, there's a certain part of me that wants to be like you know the shorties of the scary movies yeah. or like the Matthew Lillards like I want to be either the dead meat stoner or the fucking psycho killer I still, <laughs> but wait there's more I mean I really I feel like I would definitely be teetering the line between Jamie Kennedy's character or Stu oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I would be Jamie or Stu I'd be Randy or Stu that's who I would be I'm I always think, like, yeah, I'm probably Jamie. Like, I want to think that I'm either the main character or something, but I'm probably Jamie Kennedy's character. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny because neither of us are like, we'd be the final girl. <laughs> <laughs> we'd be the one that survived. No, we'd be the killer or the dead one. <laughs> That's <laughs> so to bring back to another meta horror with Cabin in the Woods, where <laughs> Chris Hemsworth, he's like, I'm going to come back and we're going to bring guns. And <laughs> He jumps and just dies. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, it really makes you think. It's funny because, like, you put your dead, and that's, I think, the whole point of good horror movies, especially self-referential ones. Like, they, it makes the audience think, oh, if I'm in this situation, which one would I be? You know, which character would I be? You know, and obviously, if you want to just go to one to one comparison, like when girls are watching this, they would probably be like, oh, I'm the final girl I'm Sydney, you know, or maybe I'm Tatum. You know, maybe maybe I don't try to fit my giant boobs through a doggy door in a in a garage, but maybe I try to, you know, duck and roll underneath it, you know, but 
there is a certain amount of when you're as a guy when you're watching this you're like wait am i the psychopath killer or am i a dead meat and if i am a dead meat which dead meat am i you know i think i'm somewhere i think i'm somewhere between jamie kennedy's character and marty in cabin in the woods yeah there you go yeah and if i'm sticking to this movie i'm definitely between Stu or randy i am either randy or Stu because I'm definitely the guy in, in the video store when I'm talking to still, if I'm Randy, I'm definitely saying, if you're the suspect in a murder investigation, would you be standing in the horror section? You know, <laughs> shit like that. I can see myself saying shit like that, you know, yeah. but at the same time, I could also see myself being Stu and killing based off of a horror movie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then you go to uh you go to scary movie and you get the you get the uh whole archetypes turned on their head <laughs> with uh oh god i'm trying to think of all the characters names in scary movie which ones like are you talking about lachlan monroe <laughs> um the other wayne's brother oh sean sean i'm not gay what yeah yeah exactly <laughs> or um Who's the really tough boyfriend where they're do, they're watching the beauty pageant and he, he, his girlfriend is performing and he's like, yeah, that's my girlfriend. And someone in the crowd's like, it's my girlfriend too. He's like, oh, shut up, pal. Yeah, that's Lachlan Monroe's character. Yeah. yeah. You might know him if you watch Dead Man on Campus. He's the uh, complete psycho roommate. <laughs> he's like, I tap that. Oh, yeah. you want to fight? You want to yeah, go? Like everybody in the audience is like, "Yeah, I fucked her too, man." <laughs> you know? But um, <laughs> yeah, God, I kind of, I really wish that movie was streaming somewhere so I could watch it like right after this. You know, <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's such a good movie. But and obviously the rest of the movies were god awful. But <laughs> hey, but, scary movie two and three have their moments. <laughs> Two, I will give you that. Two definitely does have its moments. There are times. I mean, once you get to Chris Elliott's weird mangled hand where they try to make that a joke, I'm out. I'm done. That's I love when I give a shit. the girl has sex with the ghost and he's like, you gave me. <laughs> well, that's kind of like a rip on Ghostbusters too. Yeah. Even funnier. You yeah. gave me crabs. Or right. Something. The Dan Aykroyd ghost blow job, you know, which when you watch that movie, it's like, why does this have to be in it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, did Dan Aykroyd especially knowing what Dan Eckert does later in life when he becomes, you know, an alien, um, you know, crazy person. You know, you're just like, oh, so you did that because you wanted to have sex with a ghost, huh, Dan? You know? <laughs> it's even weirder thinking about he's considered a celebrity that's not good to his fans if he meets a fan. Because he's completely insane, I think. Him and his crystal skull vodka. Keep your fucking terrible vodka. But there is also in this movie obviously because i've seen it a trillion times there are so many little things that you notice in this movie like one did you notice uh i'm gonna say did you have a favorite extra in the party scene mm-hmm. like a background party attendant at the end i don't think i noticed specifically the girl with the hot pink overalls <laughs> <laughs> and the maroon long sleeve shirt oh like, if I'm walking to a party, and I, it, well, it was the 90s, so if I'm walking to a party and I see that girl, I'm either going to be like, wow, what a fucking weirdo, or I'm like, that girl's got a good style, you know? <laughs> I want to be her best friend, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She does make it, obviously, the whole time, but she's also in the later scene where Rain is giving the rules, so she is a fairly front and center 
extra, I guess I'll say. But there's also where does Kenny the cameraman keep getting all his snacks from? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, the scene that I hate in Scary Movie is it's a rip on a the rip on the Blair Witch Project where they show her like videotaping herself and there's just like snot pouring out yeah. of her nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it's 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 almost like when they do the things that aren't scream related, you're like, oh come on, why are you doing this? Are some of the ha- the some of I uh, know what you did last summer references are pretty funny. Those make sense, you know, because yeah. it's the same thing, you know, it, it could it all works together, but um yeah, it's with this. I, one of my favorite now it's kind of like a meta meta moment is when jamie kennedy's character randy at the party he's watching halloween and he's yeah. the only one in the room and he says jamie look out behind you jamie look out behind you and when you're seeing it ghostface comes behind him now obviously jamie kennedy plays the character Ghostface is behind him, so it's almost as if Jamie's talking to himself. And yeah. it's kind of like, okay, that's that next level right there that a lot of you know other writers wouldn't go to. You know, they wouldn't be like, they're like, oh, look, he's referencing, you know, telling the hard character in the horror movie to watch out. But no, no, that character's name is actually Jamie as well. You yeah. know? <laughs> it's, Jamie it's Lee Curtis, crazy. for those of you who don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's Although I will say, Jamie Kennedy's meta, whatever. Matthew Lillard is the MVP of this movie. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent, absolutely. And I've got two scenes listed here. His best performance is probably the scene at the end in the kitchen when it's revealed he's one of the killers. <laughs> it's great. It's so, so phenomenal. It's so off the the rails. Like it's so. Nicholas Cage overacting. Oh, yeah. Exactly. That it's amazing. <laughs> it's such a perfect way to put it. He is. He's definitely channeling Nick Cage in this. In that. <laughs> and his other, I think his best scene is probably him with Randy in the video store. When he's like, he's normal. Cause he's like, he's like, well, who are you thinking of? Why can't they find his pops? Like her pops, man. Like, like he's trying to be a normal guy. Mm-hmm. But then Randy says, like, you think I got a chance with Sydney? And he's like, oh, oh, oh. And he like points at him and he goes, no, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's completely nuts for a second. And then he goes, no, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that seems great. <laughs> There's like, even him at the like on the fountain when like they're trying to add, like they're trying to figure out. It's after um they find out that Cindy's been um Casey's been gutted with her boyfriend, and uh, Sydney asks, "How could you even gut somebody?" You know, and Lillard's he says a couple things. He's like, "Well, nobody's you know," he's like, "Oh, I you know, I, I didn't kill her." And then Skidoris looks and he goes, "Well, no one said you did." You know, it's like I'm the one that did it. You know, you weren't there, and it's it's very subtle what Lillard does, but he's just kind of like an odd guy in that situation. So it's almost you can look at him, you go. Oh, maybe he's just another serial, like another high school kid. He's not a serial killer, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Nev Campbell is good in this one. I do really like her as the final girl. Uh, I, I even love the scene at the end where they're like, oh, well, this is the part where the killer comes back to life for one last scare. Yep. Not in my movie. <laughs> 
but that's... yeah there's yeah there's so many like referential parts and obviously that's the whole draw of this movie it's it's nothing but self-reference and yeah. it's also a straightforward horror movie like it's you're trying to figure out who the hell's doing these killings this whole time I, it's what dead like in in terms of modern if you haven't watched scary movie and if you're a horror fan and haven't watched i said scary movie and haven't watched scream you uh really should yeah but it's a big essentially, miss <laughs> essentially scream is to horror movies as deadpool is to the superhero movies yeah yeah basically yeah yeah it's uh pretty pretty uh dead on but um it's it's such a and like the score and the soundtrack of the movie works so. oh i i think that is so underrated about this movie i think it's the score is so amazing good. The score is absolutely amazing because it sets that right, like, spooky horror tone. But then there's, like, the pop songs. I'd say pop songs, but, like, the rock songs or whatever that are in it that also do fit with the time. Like, when Tatum and Sydney are at Tatum's house talking and she has, like, her speaker pointed out the window, the song that's playing, it's the song they they would be playing if they were real people. You know, they put the CD in and it plays, you know? It's like none of this music sounds like it was planted there because some the like the rock like the uh, like the studio made a deal with some sort of band like screen three when fucking creed is like everywhere in that fucking movie yeah especially the posters of creed which is supposed to be in sydney's bedroom i didn't see any creed creed posters in her bedroom watching this you know (laughs) here's what i'm gonna say I think Creed doesn't get enough hate. I think some of the Nickelback hate, which I think Nickelback gets too much hate. I think you got to take some of that Nickelback hate and throw it on Creed. Dude, <laughs> Creed gets plenty of hate. Trust me. Uh, but I don't think it's enough. I don't think it's enough. <laughs> you don't think it's enough? It made Scott Stab turn to pills, man. <laughs> it ruined a man's life. You don't think it's enough? Okay. I'm fine with that. You know, that dude sucks. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> but I will say, you know, in the late 90s, I was a Creed fan like everybody else. But, and I will go to, I will say their first album, fine. It's okay. The rest, goddamn terrible. But yeah, that third movie, when Creed is everywhere, especially that giant poster, it's like Wind Up Records was like, they did, they did the soundtrack and they were probably like, hey, Creed is our, is our band. So they're going to be front and center of this fucking movie. And, deal with it Wes and Wes is probably like I'm Wes fucking Craven sure do whatever you gotta do you know (laughs) the only scene that is even redeemable from the third movie is the gas in the house oh where they're getting messages via fax about who's gonna die yeah it's it's a decent one and also putty you know I I enjoy Patrick Warburton and yeah I I Patrick Warburton is amazing yeah, Dewdrop. He calls Dewey Dewdrop. <laughs> you know? But yeah, once Jenny McCarthy dies, I'm like, you know what? This could have been done earlier. Even though she's like the second person to die in the movie. I'm like, well, kill her earlier. This could be a little better. But um, yeah, it's Scream. The original Scream is such a great goddamn movie. I fucking love that movie. And it's Wes Craven's best. I mean, again, like we said, Nightmare on Elm Street. You you can make your arguments, but I would say if you're gonna say it, you can either say scream or nightmare, and you're not gonna be wrong, you know. So if you're going for more pure horror than go nightmare, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everything about scream is like even the costume for the killers is supposed to be almost funny because of how bad it is. Can be found at every five and nine store in the state. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, it's 
And it's so iconic, too. Like, that's the thing that Wes Craven doesn't get much credit for. He created two absolutely iconic horror characters or icons, you know, to repeat it. Freddy, obviously, complete horror icon, timeless icon. Probably, I'd say top five at the very least in terms of horror icons. You know, it's you're talking Jason, you're talking Freddy, and you're talking Mike. You could say Michael, Freddy, and Jason in horror context, and everyone knows who you're Mm -hmm. talking about. You do not need to add, add anything else. When it comes to when you say ghost face, you're either going to get one or two responses. You're going to say somebody, oh, I love Wu-Tang. Or you're going to say scream, right? Yeah. You're like, yes, you know, it's either ghost, ghost face, face killer, killer or the ghost face killer, you know? <laughs> and that's how ghost face killer got his name. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's, it's, again, it's. It's such a fun watch like exactly even exactly. if you're not a horror movie fan i would say watch screen absolutely it's it's again it's also one of those tops on the list of if you're a horror movie fan top of the list if you're just a regular movie fan it's also a great movie you know it's there there is some gore like casey and steve in the beginning are completely gutted they are mm-hmm. but the rest of the deaths they're not exactly, you know, they're not pulling intestines and shit out. It's just some blood. That's all really, or corn syrup, like they used in carry for pig's blood, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, uh, just like, um, Billy says. In this yeah. Thing. Or, uh, wait, I, again, I always forget, uh, does the garage fall on her? <laughs> the garage door fall on her? She goes through the doggy door that's yeah. in it, and it goes up and like crushes her. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's probably because she has a bad garage door because every garage automatic garage door I've ever had has a sensor that once they feel that they stop yeah. <laughs> you know? and it goes back down. <laughs> now did garage doors have that in the nineties? I don't know. I was born at we the had, end of the We 90s. had an automatic door installed in the nineties and it had one. <laughs> yeah. That's a, <laughs> oh, so in this, she gets brought up and crushed in yeah. scary movie. She gets brought up, the door can't lift the weight and falls down and crushes her. Right, exactly, yeah. Where in, in Scary Movie, you just have the ghost face just sort of scratching his head like, what, is she really trying this? Right, yeah, ghost face in Scary Movie is much more confused most of the movie than he is in this. <laughs> Although in this movie, and I, that's the other thing about ghost face I do like, he's not supernatural like Jason, like Jason Voorhees. Oh no, he has to he, run places, he has to... He runs, he gets hit by beer bottles in the nuts. He gets yeah. hit in the head with a garage door, like with a freezer door, like all in the same scene. You know, he falls over shit, you know, he's not unkillable. Wait, I... So if you rewatch Scary Movie, the ghost face in that almost never actually kills anyone. Right. Yeah, they pretty much all kill themselves. Yeah, it's, that's also, you know, that seems like a thing that Wes Craven wanted to add, but it yeah. really didn't. You know, it's like the people that actually end up killing themselves because of it. That's a, that's where it's like Tucker and Dale versus evil type of movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These kids are part of a suicide pact. <laughs> But, like yeah, true so, horror comedy is one of my absolute favorites in terms yeah of- i mean tucker and Dover zero is amazing cabin in the woods is great but if you want to just get you know a horror movie that's also funny scream yeah that's the way to go and know? also if you're not a bit like if you i know a lot of people that don't really like horror movies they don't like being scared but if you want a good like foot in the door type of horror movie I don't think Scream's very scary. I think it's yeah. more of an enjoyable watch. I think there are suspenseful parts. It's a whodunit. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a who's doing this? Who's who's the murderer here? You know? And again, like the gore level is low. The the kill the the body counts in mid-range. Mm-hmm. You know, the gore is low, the comedy is there, the horror aspects are there, but there's no like jump scares or anything. And then you get David Arquette. We didn't even bring up David Arquette. <laughs> kind of like the rest of the world, you know, who gives a shit about David Arquette, you know? But it's yeah, it's you know, David and but also him. He plays a cop, but he also plays, you know, a kind of not idiot. quite knowing what's up cop, kind of like an idiot cop, you know, not last house on the left moron cop. But oh, they're they're just straight up like imagine cop. if Homer Simpson <laughs> had to actually solve a horror case. Yeah, like when Homer goes part of the night watch, like that's what these guys are. They're complete idiots, you know. But yeah, Dewey's like an actual cop. He's just, you know. Not the smartest. He's not really respected as a cop. You know, as Tatum yeah. calls him, she calls him Officer uh, Dewey and all that. He's like, I, she calls him Dewey. But he's like, no, it's Officer Dewey, you know, whatever. And, uh, she tries to correct him. He's like, whatever, you know. <laughs> His younger sister doesn't give a shit about him. But he ends up trying to be, you know, he ends up being the cop that figures this shit out, you know. But. So I've, I've been going through my head and trying to think of every movie that scary movie spoofs off of. So you obviously hit Scream and last and uh, I know what you did last summer. They're the major right. ones. Right. Uh, then you hit uh, Blair Witch for a part. And the one I always forget is they spoof the usual suspects at the end. Yes. Yeah. When uh, Dewey is like Kaiser so saying, yeah. uh, you know, the cops you know, station. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, scary movie is uh, the first one, at least is a great. You know, parody of this, and I would say two and three have their moments. Yeah, in those moments, you can probably find on YouTube. You know? Yeah, but um, yeah, scary movie to scream is kind of like you know, Spaceballs as Star Wars. You know, yeah. it's, it's so Spaceballs. So Spaceballs is definitely better than Scary Movie, but definitely, oh, yeah. But also, like, I feel like Scary Movie took a nice step in like modern spoofs because yeah. I can't think of a really respectable spoof since Robin Hood Men in Tights was probably the last one before that, and that's Mel Brooks. And yeah. some would argue that's Mel Brooks' worst well-known movie. I still love it, but well, Dracula Dead and Loving It might be one of his, you know, might be his worst. But yeah, it's it's not the best of his biggest ones. It's not, you know, Young Frankenstein or Blazing Saddles or Spaceballs. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, or even 12 chairs, you know, 12 chairs. Or history of the world. Yeah, or history of the world. Yeah, high anxiety is a good Hitchcock takeoff, you know, but it's, yeah, the scary movie franchise, if when you're talking about parodies, scary movie one is top of the list and almost in the same league as like a Mel Brooks parody. Mm-hmm. The rest are just fucking garbage. And They're garbage with some funny scenes in them. Yeah, the rest is like that referential shit where it's like, hey, remember this? This is funny, right? Well, no, it's not because you're not doing anything different. You're just saying you're just putting someone in a Kardashian, you know, wig and saying, hey, look, it's funny. You know, it's that shit's stupid. But scary movie does everything that Scream does, but in, you know, a comedy really goofy way. (laughs) Yeah, comedy first way of doing it. I'm curious. what I wonder if Wes Craven ever did a thing where he actually talks about scary movie because i'd like to imagine he enjoyed it yeah i'm sure i mean well i'm sure he was probably a fan you know because the dude seemed Mm -hmm. like he got it he seemed like he understood what was going on and obviously when you watch his movies he's not he doesn't take himself too seriously you know 
he does the horror, but he also knows to lighten up a little bit. And Wes, so I, Wes Craven is at top of my list for directors that I associate with horror. Yeah, he's pretty great. And I think we hit a lot of the high-end ones. And, like, in terms of modern horror, I think James Wand is sort of towards the top of the list. I feel like most people know Romero. Nike might be the only one that we did that Western audiences might not be that familiar with. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's J-horror, you know. The the odds are that Western audiences are big Japanese horror fans anyway. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of like a stretch, but Mike is probably the best well known one of all of them. But uh, yeah, but like, the people we've done, I think pretty much everybody's gonna know who they are. I'm trying to think who we missed that because like well, honestly, we missed Toby Hooper. We didn't talk about Toby Hooper with you know Texas Chainsaw and all that. We didn't talk about Carpenter yeah. because we figured he was more of a sci-fi than horror, really. But, we didn't um, do Rob Zombie. Well. A lot of you can anything you could say is just a modern day Toby Hooper. Like, dude, yeah. he does everything that Toby Hooper did, just more in your face, you know, extreme, you know, mm-hmm. with a Rob Zombie soundtrack. <laughs> no, I still, um, The Devil's Rejects is one of my favorite horror movies. Of the... It's pretty good. Yeah. It's, that's it's, a one it's... Rob Zombie script that he wrote that I'm like, that's a pretty good script. It's not bad. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's better than the House of a Thousand Corpses, which is essentially Texas Chainsaw too. But yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah, Rob Zombie's okay. You know, Eli Roth is different. He's just He's gore for gore. Sake. It's all gore with him. You know, it's there's not much else going on. You know, horror wise. Then you get like a lot of different people that have done smaller things. You know, like Ari Oster does. You know, Midsummer and the hereditary you know? Oscar's amazing yeah but he's only done a couple movies yeah you know? and it's the people that we covered we decided to cover because they were the biggies and they were the the biggest of a wide range of horror. obviously we didn't talk about argento we didn't talk about dario argento mm-hmm. but i think the italian the italian horror is kind of like a different breed because it's almost like when you get spaghetti westerns, you know, those Italian westerns that they did. Yeah. Like Dario Gento's heart is great. Like Suspiro is amazing. But there isn't a lot. It's not really well widely known. You know, like it, it wouldn't appeal to most people that are listening to this podcast. Probably haven't seen the majority of Argento movies. Yeah, that's true. So we did we did try to pander, you know, to you folk to make sure you've you've seen the movies that we're talking about, you know. <laughs> And in the case of Mike, we came to recommend those movies. Yeah, at least two of them. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get you. We're trying to get you involved in those movies. We want to. We want to get you to know who the hell he, he, that man was or is. You know, but um, it's a shame October doesn't have a couple more weeks because talking horror is a lot of fun. Well, that said, I would say next week we do have a little bit of horror. We have shitty horror coming up because shitty horror remakes to be exact. That's right. Exactly. Because next week, well, next month, I'll say our next theme is going to be movies that we are unthankful for. So, or people that we are unthankful for in November, as opposed to, you know, the Thanksgiving month, we're doing unthankful month and it's going to be, we're going to start off with, uh, with a couple people that both Mike and I absolutely fucking despise. And that's how November is going to go with us. And with next month, we're specifically going to start off with Melissa McCartney and or Melissa McCarthy and Chris Pratt. That's what we're going to start with. And For clarity, I don't despise Chris Pratt. 
That would be me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a huge Marvel fan and I actually very much enjoy Chris Pratt on most we, levels. <laughs> for every episode, there's only gonna be three because we got three weeks in November. We uh we tried to pick one person each that Mike and I each do not like. You know, Mike Mike has made it well known that his nemesis in this move in this podcast is Jared Leto. Oh yeah. Oh I, yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily enjoy him, but he's he's not terrible to me. Like I've enjoyed it, the movies I've seen him in. I don't wish much harm on him, but Mike, on the other hand, would probably like to see his head on a stick. You know? No, no, no. I wouldn't wish that. I just like I wish he'd stub his toe like three times a day. Several times and step on Legos <laughs> all the time. You know, but yeah, nothing so, too damaging. But like he's just like ah, oh, my toe a couple right, times a day. Exactly. So it just it's like it ruins his day. You know, yeah. that's what that's what Mike wants all the time. But um, I, I don't support injuries, but I do support annoyance, minor inconveniences. There you go. Absolutely. So that's that's what the month of November is going to be. It's going to be uh, our unthankful month. Uh, people were, were not thankful for. So next week we do have our uh, shitty horror remake. So we're going to transition that way. And um, there may be bees involved yeah that oh there's going to be a cage at some point and whether or not it's an actual cage or a nicholas cage you'll have to find out but we're going to do that so in the meantime like where can people find us online so if you are trying to listen to the podcast our major things are apple podcasts and spotify you can also find us on our anchor page which will take you to your favorite podcast port basically because we're on basically eight different platforms through anchor uh we are on Instagram as Happy Hour Film Podcast. We are on Facebook as Happy Hour Films Podcast. Uh, please comment on our posts, like them. We love to talk with you guys. Uh, any, we appreciate everyone who's a fan of the podcast. So, and we're pretty good with responding. Yeah, absolutely. So that said, you know, get get in touch with us online. We like to talk to you people. It's pretty and uh, it's pretty Bottom Brewery, if uh. You want us to review uh, Ecto Ghoulier? Maybe uh, we could set us aside a couple things to buy. That would yeah, be, maybe, give us, uh, maybe give us two four packs and you know give us. Uh, you don't gotta give it to us. We'd be happy to buy them. Just like make oh, sure yeah, we yeah. Can, I mean, we just make sure we can get them. <laughs> yeah, put it off to the side and we'll walk up and we'll pick it up. We'll pick up. We'll piss off everybody in line. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but so that said, as usual, we'll see you next week. And I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. And again, we'll see you next time. So long, everybody. <laughs>